Good morning. You guys are great. Boy, is it not a great day in fellowship and worship. We're so glad to have you as you make your way back to your seat. There is a, uh, if this is your first time, there's a connection card on the back. We want to connect with you. You can um, hand that in on the offering plate at the back afterwards. Uh, Also, if you have a prayer request or anything, we have a number and you can that you can uh, text to, and there's also I think a, a little card in the back that you can uh, fill out because we we believe here at the chapel that you aren't meant to do life alone. We want to connect with you, and if you are going through something, or if you have someone that is close to you that you're interceding and you're connecting with God, I you know they have family or whatever. I mean, we all have situations that we need help with, and we want to partner in that with you. Yes, and as part of our announcements, we have. Not this week, but the upcoming week, we will have VBS. You can still be part of VBS. This is our uh, vacational Bible school for our children's church. You can volunteer coming and help us, or you can volunteer giving us a little offering or a donation if you would like to be part of us. Also, the week after that, we will go to camp with our youth group as well. If you feel you're more toward, your heart goes towards the youth and you want to help sponsor one of our youth to go to um, camp or you will want to sponsor a snack for us to take. If you have been to camp, you know, our food sometimes is not the best, but if (laughs) you can send us some Oreos, we'll take those. (laughs) And if you're a lady that is looking for connection, a time to do your prayer and your Bible study, we have two options for you. uh, Tuesdays, I'm sorry. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with Miss Gloria, you can contact her or on Thursdays with Miss Gwen at 6.30, I believe it's at Axiom, that you can meet with them. We have several small groups that you can connect with. We have also, uh, oh, I'm hot, uh, and uh, evangelism, boy, whenever I was practicing that, I don't know why I could not get that word. Evangelism. So we have a evangelism uh, class on Mondays at 6 o'clock here in the main building as well. Um, we have a, uh, of course, our uh, students meet, our youth meet at 7 o'clock at Axiom, and our young adults meet 7 o'clock at Axiom on Sundays. Uh, we are so glad to have you, and our, if you'll welcome our pastor. Thank you, Luke and Sabelle. All right, I'd like to start out with something funny this morning. Anybody like to laugh beside me? The reason why I'm prepping you is because you need to be ready to laugh at my joke. A little girl came up to her mother and said, Mom, uh, how did the human race start? And the mother said, well, uh, let me explain. There was a, a man and a woman named Adam and Eve, and they had a child, and out of those children came a lot of children, and, and that's how God created mankind. She thought, oh, okay. A few days later, she went up to her father and asked the same question. But this question was answered by her father kind of in a different way. He said, well, uh, years ago, there was a, a monkey that was developed, and out of that monkey, one day came a human being. The little girl was confused and went to her mother and told her what happened, and And uh, her mother says, well, that's easy, honey. I was telling you how my side of the family was created, and he was telling you about his side of the family. 
Thank you for laughing at that joke. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad Alex and Nettie are back from Cambodia. Let's give them a hand. Let me tell you, they are world changers. They've been giving me updates, and I've been passing them on about what God is doing in Cambodia through their ministry and the school that they're a part of. I know that uh, Johnny Parker had gone and come back and is a different person, let me tell you, since he's been back. Uh, God has done a great thing in, in Cambodia, and we'll, we'll hear more about that in days to come. You know, this morning, as I get into the, the promised land, as we we're talking about, we've been talking about uh, the blessing working in our life. And, and the reason why I've been doing this is because there's something is called the rectangular activating system. And, and I bring this up often, and I just kind of refer to it again as the black truck syndrome. And, and the thing is, is one day I decided to buy a truck, and I bought a black truck because I thought nobody had a black truck. Very few people would ever, until I bought the black truck, then I noticed how many black trucks out there there were. Everybody had a black truck. So when I preach on the, the context or in the context of the blessing, I, I want you to know that you're just not lucky, but you're blessed by God's grace and favor on your life. And as we walk that out, our eyes begin to see and it becomes more obvious to us than if we just go through life looking at the things that we don't have and then we start thinking, I don't have enough. And the comparison game gets going and so forth. You know, years ago, I, I heard an illustration about a fish. And uh, it, it's kind of like a goldfish. And, and this little goldfish kind of koi would be, if you could put it in an aquarium, it would only get like four to six inches long. But they tell me if you take it out and you would put it in a pond, sometimes they get up to... Uh, three to five pounds and even bigger than that because of the circumference of the boundaries that they live in. So if they're in an aquarium, they stay small, where if they get out of the aquarium in a pond, they begin to grow. So let me say something this. The most important thing that you can do as a believer in Jesus Christ is ask him into your life and accept salvation that he provided for you on the cross. If you guys can kind of work on this a little bit. It sounds like I'm a little bit muffled now that I'm hearing it actually from down here. As you begin to realize the importance of the salvation that is working in your life, it's important for you not just to swim in that little, so to speak, aquarium. It's the most important thing you can do but God has provided so much more for us as children of God in our identity of who he has made us and what he has for us. Uh, a perfect illustration is what we're going to get into. It, what, what I would say a perfect illustration is uh, the promised land. Here's a group of people. Let, let me remind you that they come out of slavery, and it was a gradual thing, if you remember. The, the good news was that they got to go to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And because of Joseph, his family was saved and went to Egypt. You can read about that in Genesis. But over the course of time, 400 years, they became slaves and, and, and they worked for Pharaoh. Egypt became scared of them. They, they put them into a, kind of a bondage, kind of a labor, until the day that God said, Moses, you're the man, bring them out. Everybody with me so far? They get to the promised land after these people, this generation, has seen the goodness of God. 
First of all, they tell Moses, there's no way we can get out of this place. They're, they're too mean. They're too big. Remember, the Egyptian army was probably at that time the most powerful army on the face of the earth that we know of. We can't go out. They're, they're not. But God comes through with plagues in order to change the mind of the king or Pharaoh. He releases them. Now watch this. They're amazed. Wow, how good God is. They're singing songs. But they get down to the Red Sea, and here the Egyptian army is coming. And they go, why did you, Moses, lead us out here in the desert? We could have died back there. Huh? And sure enough, God comes through and does a miracle where there is no way. If you want to just say in your mind, the impossible becomes possible through God. The Red Sea parts, they go across on dry land, and, and he, he'll say this today in another illustration of his impossible making possible through God. But dry ground is as amazing at a river bottom as even parting the water. They walk across on dry land, and they see the Egyptian army destroyed. Can anybody deny that God is with these people? The people themselves can deny. They get up to the, the promise. Let me say it again. They get up to what has been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 400 years ago. It's going to be given to you. This land is going to be given. This is ours. We've been waiting for a deliverer. Moses comes on the scene. He's not the man. He's, not, he's the man. So we're not going to be able to get out. We got out. We're going to get killed because we are saved. They get up to another test. They send spies out. The spies come back. They're too big for us. We, we talked about this last week. Now, now, I want you to understand that when they chose not to activate the promise by faith, that promise for them ceased to happen. Because they chose not to mix faith with the promise of God, hear me, does not make God a liar. In our lives this morning, I want us to just kind of wade into it. Some of you will wade into it kind of like it's a cold swimming pool. You know, dip your foot in it, and then you'll get your ankle in it, and, and then you'll get a little deeper. Let, let it happen. It's okay. But I want to speak on the subject of your new identity. Today is a new day, and it's a new way. You haven't been this way before. So allow God to be God in your life and follow Him. So, Pastor, this isn't my first rodeo. Well, maybe it ought to be today a new rodeo for you. And what I mean by that is let the past, all the sins and all the mess-ups, all the failures in your life be gone. God says, you're forgiven. Let's go on. Mm, I feel good just saying that. So in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through it. Let, let's see this. In Hebrews 4.3, it says, for those of us who believe, anybody here saved? You've accepted Jesus in your life? If you believe, for those of us who believe, 
Faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. The confident rest in who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do in our life. Not just in that spiritual person in your mind. It's in your life. We enter into that confident rest. And it goes on to say, God works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. He's not going to do something new that has not been proven over and over and over and over. Let me say this. Faith activates the promise. Today, I'm going to challenge you to walk in a new identity. Just like Abram got a new name, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah. I mean, even if you go to the New Testament, he was handing out new identities. Here, here is Saul becomes Paul. And you know the rest. New identities. This morning I want you to see this too because when we begin to wade into the new identity of who God says about us, the hardest thing that, let me say, in my life, maybe in your life, the hardest thing that you'll experience is the doubt, the fear and the unbelief that comes in to go, did, did God really say that? Does, does he? I'm going to remind you of this often, that the Holy Spirit lives in us as the believer. So let's begin. In chapter 1, God begins to change the whole circumstances of these people's lives. The title of my message is 40 Years Later. And the reason why is because for 40 years they've been in the wilderness because of disobedience. They did not mix the promises with faith, faith that they had. God isn't going to say, you're going to activate them by my faith. No, God's already done it. He's given you the promise. Are you going to put your faith with his promises? In chapter 1, God begins to speak into the leader's life, the leader that's going to lead them through all this stuff that is impossible. And let me tell you this. Sometimes there's a fine line between faith and crazy. Can I get an amen to anybody that's walked by faith before? There's a numerous amount of people standing in line to tell you how crazy you are. Why in the world would you buy ten and a half acres on Golden Triangle out in the middle of pasture land on a road that I wouldn't even pull my cows on that road, it's so bad. Most of that land that you're buying has floodplain on it. Nobody wants that land. Boom, boom, ten million dollars worth. Tearing appraisal district. When you, when you walk by faith and not by sight and you allow the Holy Spirit that's residing in you to speak to you and listen to you, you look so much better than you working on your own understanding. So this, this is a story of people that don't see how they're going to do it, but one thing they know is they're going to mix faith with what God's Word over them said because they are tired I've been in the wilderness wondering for 40 years. There's a new identity that's been building as they begin seeing again and again and again the goodness of God and the blessing on their life as they're wondering. 
So this is, uh, I love this story. And it, the second chapter of Joshua talks about a lady named Rahab. Now let me just speed through some of these first chapters so, so that we can, again, keep with the uh, context of the, the new identity of God's people and, and the new identity that you're going to walk in if you choose to. In, in chapter 2, uh, Joshua is a general. And he begins to think, how am I going to take over Jericho? The first uh, line of defense in this country, it's, it's fortified. They have warriors. And he decides to send out uh, uh, two spies. And it says secretly. I believe not only because he's not announcing that he's going to send these out so that people won't you know, know, but at the same time, his own people won't know because he's not interested in when they come back to giving a negative report. just like the previous generation's negative report. And, and what it says is the men go into Jericho. They, they're in Jericho. They find themselves in this lady's uh, apartment and her family. And it says that, watch this, that the men of the city tell on them that the people of Israel have come to spy out the land. This lady hides them in her apartment and eventually on the roof and eventually will send them out at a strategic time and they'll get away. But here's what I want you to see. Remember, 40 years earlier, when they come into the promised land, the spies, and the report comes back, they are way too big for us. And it said that they melted the heart of the people of Israel because of their negative report, and the rumors began to spread. They began to murmur. They began to go home that night and murmur in their houses. And God said, I heard you in your tents murmuring. Don't be the murmurer at your house tonight, okay? Don't do that. But it said that the people of God's heart melted with fear. Fast forward 40 years. If you didn't know that was my sound effect for fast forwarding. Right up there. I don't know how to spell that, but right up there, 40 years. They're listening to this lady, Rahab, and she begins to speak. But listen to the difference of what 40 years of watching people out in the wilderness get blessed, 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 blessed. That's impossible. That's impossible. Now possible, possible, possible. Now, now listen what she says. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. The enemy, listen to this, the enemy is speaking FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. This is what the children of God just began to speak just 40 years earlier. We don't know. We don't know. But see, the difference is they were doing it in disobedience where the inhabitants, the enemy, was speaking it because they had no God stronger than our God. If you're a child of God, there is never, ever appeared in your life that you cannot say that God can't do the impossible. But we'll get into confessions and what comes out of your mouth. But, but I just want you to see the negative confession of the enemy. We're not going to do it because of who and how powerful you are. In verse 11, it goes on to say, When we heard our hearts melted, neither did uh, spirit or courage remain any more in any man because of you, children of God. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth and beneath. So here's the spies. They go back to Joshua. And I, I'm 
making this up, but I'm thinking they're going back. <laughs> a lot different than the other 12. We can't do it. We can't do it. They're big. They're, they're giants. We look like little grasshoppers, but now it's changed because of what God has done and the enemy has seen in their life. So the spies go back to Joshua. Remember the leader. And this is what happens in verse 24. They said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands for all the inhabitants of the country are faint because of us. Now listen, I hope that you're paralleling this with your life because God asks us to do impossibility sometimes. And as I said, it's a crazy line, there's a fine line between crazy and faith. And sometimes we'll always say, well, that's crazy. God, God never meant me to do that. You're pulling up short of what God has promised to us. Allow God to speak and listen. Listen to what God's speaking to you. After this amazing part of the history of the promised land, they go in, Rahab begins to speak. They go in and they're going to take Jericho. We'll talk about that later in this series but I want you to see that the report comes back so positive that this group of people that their parents were so scared now are like, ooh, suki, suki, let's go. There might be some people that have a little bit, I don't know if I can follow Joshua, but if you read the end of chapter 1, after God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, whatever you do, be strong and courageous. Then he goes to the people, the leaders, and says, we're going to go. And they go, we're going to go too. But then they add this, if anybody don't want to go, just let us know. We'll take care of it. Totally different. They get up to now another impossibility. It's impossible to cross this Jordan River with two million including women and children, two million people. Can you tell me that? It's impossible, but God says, good luck. Our good news is I'm with the impossible. I can do the impossible. I specialize in the impossible. But just to make it a little bit difficult, God's timing is always perfect, and it doesn't look like that because they come to the crossing, and what happens? They realize it's at the time of the year where it's at the flood stage. It's well swollen past its banks. God, why couldn't we cross when it was in the drought time of the season? Sometimes, listen, as we're walking this out, this series, I want you to apply it to your life. Sometimes you'll see something and you'll go, man, I might have done that if it was just normality, but this is unusually crazy. God does something again that goes beyond the people's mindset of what you would do. What would you do if you were the leader, Joshua, and you're trying to cross a river that is flow, uh, swollen? It's What would you do? Well, you'd probably say, okay, we're going to build a bridge. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to do something else so that no one can deny that I was with you. I tell you what, I want the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant that's the presence of God. And it had in there all these things that were holy. And, and, and I want the priest to carry it out into the middle of the Jordan or to touch the Jordan River. Just put their feet in the Jordan. Let's start there. 
And it said once the people obeyed, the priest walked out, touched the Jordan River, the water this time stopped a mile or so upstream and quit flowing down. I mean, it just, the water continued to flow, but eventually it was quit, it stopped. It was like someone built a dam up at the city of Adam, which was up, it's kind of, anyway, up here. But here's what's the miracle. Not only did the river stop so they could cross, again, they crossed on dry land. How does that happen? Here's what's amazing. The people could say, I witnessed it for myself. See them? Them dogs right there, they went across that dry river bank. Can you hear somebody saying that? I was, I, I saw it with my own, I did it. But God tells them to do something. Now listen to this. He's building in them an identity that's going to carry on through generations of doing the impossible. Here's the news. The impossible is going to come eventually again and again and again. But you are going to be people with a new identity that have a God that says, I'm going to be with you in the impossibility. It says this in Joshua chapter 4. We're just in the fourth chapter, but it says this in verse 20. And those, as they come out, he says, I want you to collect 12 stones, one from each of the tribes, and make a statue, a monument to remember. But this is why. In verse 20, And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgad. And he said to the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Can you see a little kid going, Daddy, Daddy, why is the sky blue? Why is, uh, you know, all the, what, what shows? That was my little kid's voice. Just kidding. Yeah. Sorry, I'll work on it. This is what you're supposed to say. You shall let your children know Israel came over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. That all the people on earth, listen, this is your testimony, that all the people on earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, the Lord is mighty, and that you may reverence and fear the Lord your God forever. Build a stone, monument, 12 stones. Pile them up so that you can... If you ever go through depression, listen to me, or a, a, a situation where you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you don't have a journal that you can go back and read of the goodness of God in your life, you will stay right there in that depression. Now, if, if you're in the depression and you don't have a journal, everybody, yeah, that, that, that'd be me. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to have somebody close enough to you that you trust to be able to speak of all the good things they remember in your life. And when they begin to speak and reminisce about all the things that God has done in your life and through your life and all that, you need to just listen. Be quiet. <laughs> Because everything in you is going to go, well, you know, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Just be quiet and allow God to, again, remind you of the goodness that he has led you this far. Now, now that's why we do communion, to remember that Christ died for us. 
our covenant for the believer is active. It's not inactive. It's not put on pause. But that God is still working in us every day of our life. Is there something in your life that you can remind yourself of the goodness of God? I have stuff. You know what it is in my life? None of your business. But I have stuff that is set up that I constantly see of the goodness of God in my life that I will not forget. Because I can forget. Remember the goodness of God. That's what God is saying. I'm going to do things in your life, but you can forget all of these. But remember. Now, now this is the story that comes next. As they cross over the the Jordan River, now they're in the land. They're just on the the brink of what's coming. We'll, We'll talk about all the battles that they come up with and the things that happen and the people's reactions to fear, doubt, and unbelief that come into their life. But here's what I want you to see. Once they cross over, God has them activate again, reactivate the covenant through circumcision. Now, I want you to see this because for men, this is no little thing. And I don't want to make light of circumcision, but but at the same time, this is a sacrifice, especially for grown men. None of the men have been circumcised as a little baby as we do today. They were being circumcised because nobody that came out of Egypt until this time had been circumcised. But what was happening was reactivating the covenant of saying, I'm going to be with you. Now, now, why do I say that? Because I want to remind you, if you do not know the story, the very first chapter of Joshua, Joshua is told this. Listen to this. In verse 7, Only Joshua be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Pastor, I don't like that word prosper. Sorry, it's in the Bible. Verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of your pie hole. I'm sorry, it says mouth. Sorry, I got a little bit. John Miller can start talking. Gwen, don't you have something to do in the children's ministry or something? (laughs) I just need to start reading. Okay, let's go back. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then, see, this is a habit. This is constant. This is just doing it every day, a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have Good success. But all of this is going to be a key because of verse 5. And it is in the new identities, new habits. Doing all those things, don't let it depart from you. 
And he can stand on that in the children of God because of verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Some of us need to, I don't know. Do we have the next verse on that? Try to look at verse 5. If you guys got verse 5. Some of you need to take out your phones and take a picture of that. And let me just challenge you. Just read that every day. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you. John Miller, put in your name. I'll be with you every day. I'm there as you're sleeping, when you wake up, when you're eating, whatever you're doing, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. No, Well, maybe you're going to leave me, God. I don't feel you. I'm working even if you don't feel me. There's a song that goes that way. Yeah. It's so important for Joshua first to get this, to be able to train his people. And it's so important because his people are our people too. It's us that we're reading this and learning this. Now God will tell him and he'll tell the people because of this, God's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. We have to stay with the word. Because it's a new day and it's a new way and you've never been this way before. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, that's exactly what he said. He said, yet a space must be kept between you and it, the covenant, the, the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe you saw it on the Ark of the Covenant or whatever with Indiana Jones. I'm kidding, but you know what I'm talking about. Keep 2,000 cubits from them as it goes out. You, you're going to see it Follow it. Know the way. You must go for you have not passed this way before. It is so important for us to realize that when we're walking by faith and not by sight, God will tell us to do things in the Word of God. I'm not talking about someone, you know, gets this notion that you need, you need to stand on your head while you sing songs today. You know, don't get off track. Don't make it spooky. Just, just read the Word of God and say, God, I can, I can be obedient to that. And maybe up to this point, you have not been obedient to the Word of God. It's okay. Today's a new day. Say, God, forgive me of that. This comes to the point of my message, and I'm going to talk about this again in the context of walking in our new identity and creating habits of who we are and who God says we are. Now, this is very important because this is what I've been waiting on. In Joshua chapter 5, after the covenant is restored, after they're reminded that I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. In a little bit, we'll sing that song again. In every season, he's going to be with us. So that, that'll be a, a point for you to, again, maybe some of us need to ask for forgiveness in our life. Maybe some of us say, God, it's a new day, and I believe in this new season, wherever I'm at, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be obedient. But when the fear, uncertainty, and doubt slips into your mind, here's what you have to remember. Because you can recall the goodness of God in your life and still the new way you're going, God, I've never been here. You have to realize that the Holy Spirit that resides in you is showing you the way. In chapter 5, this is one of the most unusual stories 
are, are parts of the Bible, and it's just a few verses. It's like somebody gives us a, just a snapshot of something that is so impactful for us. Joshua is kind of, again, now he's on the other side of the Jordan, begins to kind of go out and kind of examine Jericho. This is going to be the first battle place. And they're shut up. I mean, they're, they're tight. The fortress, they're, they're not coming out. Nobody's going in. The battle is coming. And apparently Joshua is out by himself kind of doing, I don't know, maybe some scouting. And it says this. In verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up and behold, a man stood near him with his drawn sword in his hand. Do you have enough creativity not to have to shut your eyes, but maybe you need to shut your Just picture. He comes on this guy, this, this person that has a sword that is drawn in his hand. He's ready for battle. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? or for our adversaries. Now, now remember, if you, if you kind of think about it a minute, Joshua's been wondering for 40 years. He was obedient. He said, we can go up. We can possess land. I don't care if they're giants. He's had to wander 40 years with another man named Caleb that had the two out of the 12 that had a positive. Joshua, at this point, he had ready to fight. Just point me in the direction and I'll fight. Now he sees somebody that has his sword drawn and it looks like, you want some of me? But Joshua asked the wrong question. Have you ever prayed the problem? Have you ever asked the wrong question? Here's the response of the man with the sword drawn. And he said, no, neither. But as... Prince of the Lord's host, have I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What says my Lord to his servant? And the prince of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose your shoes from off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Hmm. There's some things I want you to see. This person, this man, this warrior is not an angel. The reason why we know that is because if you look in the law, Deuteronomy, Exodus, it said that a man can't be worshipped or an angel can't be worshipped. Who can be worshipped? God. Woo-hoo. <laughs> man alive. Here is God. Many believe the Word in the beginning was the Word. John says in the Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here's Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. In the book of Joshua, in just a little clip in chapter 5, and Joshua's trying to, you know, kind of figure this out. You for it? We'll see who I'm with because I know that I'm the commander. You're the general, but I'm the commander over you of God's forces. 
Can you imagine all the things that are going off in Joshua's mind when he says, take off your shoes? Anybody remember where that was previous? Yeah, in Exodus with Moses, remember in the burning bush? He grew up. We know for 40, 50 years, probably hearing that story of Moses telling of his uh, you know, belief in God and leading him out in the wilderness to the promised land and the whole story of the burning bush. And now Joshua is, you for us or... What? In the revelation of who God is in his life at that moment, it says he crumbles to the ground. And what happens? His faith is activating the promise by worshiping. By saying, God, I know who you are, and I know who I am in you, and I'm on my knees. You're the commander. I follow what you say. I'm for you. I want you to think about this because a lot of times we wonder, again, walking in our identity. Can we do it? Can I do this? Can I tell you most of the time, no, you can't. But with the Holy Spirit guiding us and inside of us, there's nothing that's impossible with us. Let me go a step further. In this story as a parallel to our lives, He says, I'm the commander of the army of God. Let me just give you some thoughts. Jesus later in the New Testament on the cross said, I could call down 12 legions at my disposal if I wanted to be free and, and wipe everybody. 12 legions. In the Roman army, it's about 5,000 and legion. It's 60,000 angels. Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't know, there might have been more people there than 60,000 that would have been a bigger army than the angel army. Let me just remind you that in the book of Hezekiah, when an enemy army came up against Jerusalem and surrounded them, and, and the, the king, Sennacherib, sends a little letter insulting God and Hezekiah and the Jewish people, and Hezekiah takes it in and he lays it on the altar and goes, God, we can't do this. Ooh, I want to preach that message right now. And God says, I got this. And 185,000 enemy soldiers are killed the next day because of one angel. Sixty thousand. But here's what's amazing is. Jesus didn't even need those 60,000. Do it by himself as the creator of the universe. Here is Joshua again being encouraged by God. Just be strong and courageous. You, you don't know the way you're going to go, but just follow me. Just be obedient. And how you do that, don't let the word of God leave you. Well, I've already heard the word of God. No, faith cometh by hearing. It's a constant. It's a habit of getting into the Word of God and staying in the Word of God. Because let me tell you, you can have a man of God that feels like he doesn't have to read the Bible anymore. And let me tell you, it's not long until he just gets a little bit off track. A little track, just a little bit more. Do you know that 
God says it to the children of Israel. It's so strong not to let the word of God out of your sight. He said this. He said, write it on your, your house. Write it on the gate. Put it on your forehead. It's almost like, don't, don't do it. Don't let it out of your sight. Because as long as the word of God is inside of you, every time that you get to a place where there's a challenge, you realize that the word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The captain of the army of God, where's he live? Inside of you. Pastor, prove that, chapter and verse. If you want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Paul says to the new church, you guys that are just now believers, good news. I've been praying ever since that I knew that you were believers, that you would have the understanding, that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know God better, that your eyes of your, even your imagination would be open, that you might know that the power that resides in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That your eyes would be open. Hello, that your eyes would be open, that when you get to that place where you go, I can't do this, correct, what do you do? But I have this friend called Yahweh, and he can do it. All I got to do is follow him. Let, let me give you real quick, do you remember some of you that are in, in to the Word of God? Do you remember Elisha? He has a servant. And he's doing mighty acts of God and the enemy is so mad at him, they send an army with chariots to get him. And the servant, you know, he got this kind of this picture. He comes outside one day and he sees all this enemy around the, the house. And he begins to have his knees knock and he says to Elisha, Ah, oh, we're going to be... And Elisha begins to pray that his eyes would be open. And when his eyes are open, he sees this army that is being referred to. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater was the army surrounding that little peewee army. And all of a sudden the servant was like, God's got this. Now, now understand that today in your life, when you hear this message, it's a motivational service. All, all my sermons are motivational. You can do it. But the hard part is up to you, the discipline. So let me, let me wrap it up with some application in our lives real quick. When, when you're thinking about God working in your life and being successful, let me tell you this. Almost every successful person begins with two beliefs. Number one is the future can be better than the present. And that you have the power to make it so with the Holy Spirit living in you. But here, here's the thing. You can run around and jump and, you know, bounce off each other's chest, high-fiving. I am who God says I am. Hallelujah. But people don't decide their future. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. Let me tell you, consistency is what transforms the average into excellence. It's consistency, consistency, consistently. 
It's 1% better every day. It's the small changes in our life over time lead to big results. And a lot of times it's the little thing that a lot of things, but that doesn't go matter. Let me tell you, compounding interest, just doing the little thing over and over and over and over. Well, pastor, I just don't know if I got time. Make time, nothing more important. Believing that God is fighting our battles. To, to believe that He's arranging things in our favor and making a way even when there seems to be no way is not what our culture believes in. But you do as believers. It's the little things of keeping that Word of God in front of you, keeping that promise to say, God, I realize that that is a big promise, but the only way I see that is activating it by my faith. God says, follow me. Follow me. You haven't been this way before. It's a new day. It's a new way. You are not lucky, but you are blessed. Everything you have is because of God's grace and favor on your life. Can you say amen? Now can you go, amen? You feel better, right? Now I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Lisa's going to come and the worship team and sing this song. I won't say something about you singing loud if you don't say nothing about me singing loud, okay? Just let it go. Make this a declaration that you walk through this week as your identity in every season. I don't care where I'm at. God, on the mountaintop, you're the same. When you're in the valley, you're not going to change. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. And God, I'm choosing to walk in that identity that God, that you're strong enough to take me where you're calling me to go. Lisa.